Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to episode 382 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... Ray, how are you doing? Hello, I'm good. Thank you, Dave. Uh, sorry I couldn't be here last week, obviously. The big birthday weekend as many of us started celebrating <laughs> our birthdays. Um, yes. It was a big one for me, though, so it was quite full on last weekend. Uh, yes, yes. Happy birthday for last weekend. It was starting with a four, wasn't it? <laughs> it was starting with a four. I know. I, I, I do not look that old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. My next yeah. one starts with a five. Uh, <gasps> oh, goodness me. <laughs> yes, because I am five again, obviously. Uh, <laughs> So, what have you been up to the last few weeks? So, uh, minus last weekend where I was able to do nothing, I finished a few things. Finished the fifth episode of Late Night Lysit, which yes. came out on Friday night. I don't know if they get away with it, but oh my word, some of what <laughs> they did on those shows. Classic, classic Channel 4. Um, yeah. wonder if it'll come back, question whether it'll come back, but I thought it was brilliant. And even the stuff with Catherine Ryan, what a good sport when she yeah. came back and did that final bit. But yeah, really, really good series. Uh, he had that natural what Channel 4 needed for that. Yeah. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, I know you watched it as well, so you're a big fan. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And, does, so. and I know what, I, I mean, they had Jonathan Ross on and Jonathan Ross made the comment of like, this is exactly what Channel 4 should be doing. This is exactly the sort of show that I started with on Channel 4, which mm. is true. I mean, it is very much that sort of thing. It's very much in that vein of the older Graham Norton shows when he used to do before he got respectable and went to BBC. <laughs> yeah. uh, and same with the Jonathan Ross stuff as well, when he had a regular show on Channel 4. It's very much in that sort of vein. Very good. Very enjoyable. Yeah. I do and have I think to If you want to complain about it, you're not the audience. Stop watching. Yeah, yeah exactly. So that's, yeah. Don't watch something else. There's millions of other things, like yeah. straight chat shows you can go watch. Yeah. Uh, I also took the chance to finish Blue Lights on BBC One. Oh, yes. Um, I, I finished that the week before they announced it was being renewed. Quite a gritty Belfast-based drama. Um, had Richard Dormer in it as well and Andy Osho, some absolutely fantastic, the last two episodes in particular, if anyone hasn't watched this, BBC One, it sort of went under the radar, mm -hmm. um, has a sort of same sort of, uh, history as the line of duty sort of like that tense yeah. twist um element to it it's absolutely brilliant last two episodes shocking but absolutely beautifully done and i'm glad it's coming back for another one and it really cool. does show you this other side of sort of belfast policing mm -hmm. uh, i finished how i met your father this part of the run i think it's the first half yes it i is. heard you and matt talking about it last week and I, I sort of agree with some of what you said. It's not hitting all the right beats. And there's something about their dynamic as a group that isn't hitting for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think the sister is just a little bit too out there. You know, like you always have one character, like the Phoebe in Friends character or the Barney in, in the original. Yeah. I think that's what Jesse's sister's trying to take. Ellen, I think it is. But I think she's just a little bit too much for me. I mean, there was um, the episode where she was just starting her new job, just went OTT, and I was mm -hmm. a bit like, oh, not, I'm not sure. But I, I like some of it. I like the Sophie bits. 
and that but yeah it's not hitting all the perfect beats but i still i still persevered and got through it right um, have you finished all that half of the episode? yes i yeah. finished all that as well yeah i mean i think it's enjoyable enough it's sort of with my whilst i'm eating my tea sort of half hour watching thing yeah. and it fills that gap perfectly well it's just not up there with the original series yeah. you know and yeah. i think a lot of it is cast chemistry and it's just not as well written i don't think no. unfortunately no. Uh, also finished rain dogs the daisy may cooper very black comedy drama it's not a comedy it's more drama yeah. um finished obsession on netflix only four episodes but that was richard armitage uh shocking third fourth episode and also finished unstable which was the rob lowe comedy oh yeah i got through that very quickly that was just on in the background and then i started reflecting like it was on in the background but i wasn't really taking it in in depth oh my god must make a second one of that that's absolutely fantastic it was okay but it was just sort of background tv for me yeah um wasn't enjoying it too much did you finish it i know you did you start it haven't I may go back. I'm looking for something else to fill that sort of, you know, whilst I'm eating gap. Uh, yeah. So, I, and I, I'd forgotten about that show, but that actually is one that probably would fit that quite nicely. So, yeah. I, yeah. I might go and uh, pick that back up again because I like Rob Lowe. It's, it's likable enough, and they are making a second season of it as well. But uh, it wasn't sort of something that completely grabbed me. But I am looking for something to sort of fill the background gap while I'm eating. So, yes, that may be one of the things that I go back to. And then a lot of things I've just literally started, so I can't talk hugely about them. I'm like one or two episodes in. The Diplomat on Netflix, everyone's talking about. Citadel, mm-hmm. Black Ops. The last thing he told me on Apple and Yellow Jackets on Paramount+. Plus. I am just dipping my toes into them. Yellow Jackets, that's season one. So I didn't get into that originally, so I've gone back. Yes, um, I need to start And um, the other ones I'm closer to finishing, Colin from Accounts on BBC iPlayer, Beef on Netflix, and Fleischman is in Trouble and Disney+. Plus. So I'm, I'm really a broad range of TV shows that have come out this year, just trying to mix up what I'm seeing, because I'm trying to read reviews and see which ones I should go for. And I'm having a, like, a really mixed experience with them all. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the one I'm struggling with the most was the last thing he told me, which is an Apple TV. And normally Apple TV hit everything. It's just... I'm not sure. I think I need to get a little bit further into it, but I'm right. loving Citadel. I love Black Ops. The Diplomat, great twist to episode one, the end of episode one. So I can't wait to continue watching that. And I'm a few episodes away from finishing Beef. So, uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. No films in there, I'm afraid, Dave. has been oh. an absolutely dry month for films. Uh, <laughs> and not even been scheduled or booked to see Guardians yet. So uh, that's got to be on my diary. Yeah, but, no, um, me neither. Uh, what about yourself? What have you been up to the last week? Well, yeah, Citadel I have been catching as well. I've very much been enjoying that. As, as I sort of put in brackets on the notes, aka Richard Madden's Bond audition tape, which yes. it really <laughs> is. I mean, it's even more noticeable in the uh, what third episode because they put two out so this initially and then there's a third one out now and yeah very noticeable in the third episode there's a very bond-esque sequence in that episode and i mean it's fun it's stupid it's over the top it's very much if you like kind of pierce brosnan era bond it's that sort of big 90s explosion silly over the top but has quite a good storyline running beneath it i'm very very enjoyable and yeah a lot of fun that 
Diplomat, I finished last week, which I is is one of the best things I think Netflix has ever commissioned. I I think oh, that's brilliant. absolutely superb. Yeah, Yellow Jackets is one that you've got on your list, which I need to start watching because I've heard good things about that. Gaming wise, I know I talked a little bit. I'm not going to go into huge detail because Greg's here and he'll just shut off. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but gaming wise, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, I'm about four or five hours in, and it's crashing on the same save point. I mean, there's been all sorts of problems with this game with it running on pc and it runs okay it's just when you go to uh there's one particular save point when the world sort of starts to open up a little bit and every time i try and save at that save point the game crashes so i'm kind of going to leave it for a bit and see whether a patch comes out for it and whether they manage to fix anything else with it because it's terrible that they released it in the state that they did overall i've not had any huge issues with it actually running i mean i've had there's people out there that literally can't get it to run let alone actually get anywhere to play on it but i mean I managed to get a little bit of the way in and sort of out of the the opening area. So I'm not going to do a review of that at the moment. The other Star Wars thing, because of course it was May the 4th last week, was Star Wars Visions, which came back for a second season. I've only watched a couple of those episodes so far, the first episode, and then I actually jumped into the Ardman episode because with the second season, the first season was all about anime. And the second season, rather than it being purely anime, what they've done is they've gone around and specifically picked animation houses from around the world. For the UK one, they used Ardman. And it's traditional Ardman claymation animation in a Star Wars world. And the episode is based around this sort of mother-daughter race. The daughter's at the Flight Academy and the mother comes along and ends up entering this mother-daughter race with her daughter. I mean, the entire episode is an excuse for her to use the line, I am your mother, in there. Uh, (laughs) But uh, it's adorable. It's really sweet. And and I loved that episode. Uh, Opening episode was a bit more sort of straight animation. It's very nicely done. I'm not sure who particularly did that one. But um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting sort of little offshoot of Star Wars, that. I did also watch a little bit of Young Jedi Adventures, which of course I'm not the target audience for because that's very much aimed at a much younger audience. But if you've got little kids that you want to get into Star Wars, I think that's probably a great starting point for them. You know, if they're sort of six, seven, eight years old, I think they'll love that. It's very much that sort of area for them. And it's about a bunch of Jedi younglings that are sort of being sent off on their first adventures and stuff. There's that as well, which went up this week. In terms of other stuff as well, Shazam Fury of the Gods came out on home release this week. So I went and got a copy of that. Really rather enjoyed it. I it's mean, good, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's silly. Again, it's aimed at a much younger audience group than I think a lot of the DC stuff has been aimed at i mean he hasn't got kid leads but it sort of has because i mean he's that levy playing shazam again but it's based around these sort of teenagers that turn into these superheroes it's wonderful seeing helen mirren in there doing kind of scenery chewing villain stroke misunderstood person i guess (laughs) rather than being completely villainous it's one of those things i'm so glad she took that role because i think she must have looked at it and gone well when else am i going to get to do this sort of thing so you know (laughs) uh, i rather enjoyed it i mean it sets things up in an interesting way where they could potentially fold it into the new dcu if they wanted to moving forward i do hope they keep zach lee around and so the biggest problem with that you have with shazam is the in quotes kid 
who was a kid in the first movie is now basically 18 years old. Yeah, it's so, going to be really difficult, isn't it? If it's going to be another like three or four years before Shazam shows up again, you've got that problem of, well, he's going to be like in his mid-20s by that point, and it doesn't really work having, no. you know... it. And that was always the problem with Shazam is in the comic books, you can keep Billy Batson as a child, but you can't really do that with the films unless you change the child every time. So whether they move forward, keeping Shazam around and Zach Levy around and then alter the kid, maybe, I, I don't know. Uh, I know what you do with that, but it's fun. I enjoyed it. You did see that this as well, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I mean, I am just wondering what was wrong with the critics that they they just went in for it so mm-hmm. hard. I mean, I couldn't see why there was so much negativity. Yeah, there were flaws to it, but yeah, I just think they were just out there baying for blood at that point. I just don't know why they. You know, and now it's going down as one of the worst superhero movies ever because it didn't sort of bring much money in. And I said, actually, it wasn't a bad film. I'm not sure what I was missing. So No, I'm I'm very much the same. I mean, I I don't even know whether it was because my expectation were lowered because of all the bad reviews, but I don't even think it was that. I thought on the face of it, it is not a bad film, particularly. I've been enjoying that. You know, it's out on home release. Uh, I, I don't think it's out for free yet. Like on Sky Cinema, it's out to buy. So you can go and buy that if you want. La Brea, I finished the second season of that. That's on Paramount Plus. And the thing with La Brea is, yes, it, the whole concept is silly. You know, Sinkhole mm. opens up in Los Angeles, fall for, through into Primeval World. It does a lot of stuff with jumping around in time in that show, because obviously, you know, they go back to the past in that. And then, minor spoilers, it's to do with portals. But there is a point later on in the show where they have to send somebody back four hours through a portal to try and stop something from happening. And they're like, the portal can only connect to one place because they're trying to get like a bunch of people somewhere else as well. And they're like, well, we can't shut off the portal because then they won't be able to get back. And it kind of breaks the whole time thing then because it's like, well, the people that you've sent back four hours don't need to come back because they've only gone back four hours. So when they step through the portal if they actually come back through the portal having stopped what they were supposed to do the other versions of them should still be there if you see what i mean do you think the script writers have broken themselves when they're trying to think too hard yeah it's like if they actually just stayed there then the people would have stepped through the portal and they would just be the the version from four hours ago that were still in that world and everything would have been fine so they didn't need to keep the portal open and try and get back through it that and that was kind of a major plot thing and you're like hang on a minute they've not thought that through because now if they if those two people step back through the portal it means there's two versions of them in the world and there shouldn't be and up until that point they'd done fairly well in keeping like all the time stuff in but yes so that kind of broke slightly towards the end but yes that is coming back for another season there's only six episodes and then that will probably be it they haven't officially confirmed that but that will probably be the end for it the big show i watched this week though was silo which is a new apple tv plus series and really well written very 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 enjoyable it's from graham yost he's worked on a bunch of things like uh, justified was his uh, he worked on speed i think as well and a bunch of other movies he was executive producer on sneaky pete which, and um he's executive producer on slow horses as well which is a brilliant brilliant apple series if you've not watched that yet 
but this is very much more sci-fi based. It follows the last 10,000 people on Earth who are stuck in a silo, their mile-deep home protecting them from the toxins and deadly world outside. Or is it? Is the basic question of the thing. So a rebellion that was over a few hundred years ago wiped out all the records of like who built the silo and why they're in the silo in the first place, other than they've got the sort of screens that show them the outside world, which is obviously, you know, all desolate wasteland. However, if you possess an artifact from prior to the rebellion, literally anything from, you know, a pen to a hard drive, and even talking about the time before the rebellion gets you in serious trouble... And one of the things that they do is send you outside for cleaning. It's one of the punishments. It's also you can you can say, I want to go outside, and they grant that request to you, but on the understanding that that's basically suicide if you go outside because of the way that things are out there, supposedly. It's one of those shows that actually follows different characters in the initial episode to what you're actually following through the rest of the show. David Oyelowo plays Halston who is the sheriff of the entire area. And Rajita Jones plays Alison, who is wife that works in IT. Alison stumbles across this artifact, which is a hard drive, which shows that everything in the silo might not be quite as it seems. It's got schematics and stuff on it. She sort of starts to investigate that. But very end of that episode also introduces Rebecca Ferguson, who plays Juliet, an engineer. And most of the story is actually following Juliet. And the lead cast are those three, plus Common, Tim Robbins, Ian Glenn from Game of Thrones, Harriet Walters, Geraldine James, who plays the mayor, Will Patton, who plays the deputy, and Ferdinand Kingsley, who plays a character called George. But majority of that main cast, or those that are listed as the main cast, haven't really shown up in the show you know the second episode shows a more of rebecca ferguson's character but we've seen very little of tim robbins or common not seen ian glenn at all i don't think we've seen harriet walter at all so it's sort of interesting to see where it goes but tonally if you like things like snowpiercer it's very much in that sort of vein sort of the 100 as well although without all the cw teen driver stuff attached to it it's sort of got that dystopian kind of strange world thing going on where you're not entirely sure what's happening and this repressed society in there in the same way that Snowpiercer has. Very enjoyable, well worth going to look at. I would recommend you go and check that one out because you've got Apple TV as well. Yeah, I've heard so much being said about it over the last couple of weeks through various things I listen to and read. So it's definitely one I would like to consider and it's got a stellar cast, so absolutely it's one that I'll be interested in. Certainly worth going to look up, but it's on Apple TV. There are two episodes now, new episodes dropping Friday, so uh, go and check that out called Silo. That's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. So, 
we kick off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. Cancellations, we have um, some really quite large ones this week. Just so you're aware, Thursday, Friday this week is what we call the TV bloodbath. Usually that's when all the cancellations and renewals come in. To be fair, a lot of the networks have actually done most of their cancellations and renewals. There are still a few things left around and the CW either will or won't be a bloodbath. We don't actually know what's going to happen with most of their shows yet because it very much depends on what direction the new owners of the CW, uh, which is a company called Nexstar, who bought it off CBS, or rather Paramount and WB last year. We don't know exactly what direction they're going to want to go in, whether they're going to want to keep some of those shows around or whether they want to go in an entirely different direction. I mean, bearing in mind, they have put in a lot more reality TV and they've bought golf for the channel, which given that the CW was previously seen as a teen network is an (laughs) odd choice. But, um, So we'll see by the end of the week, we should have most of the renewals and cancellations for the networks come in. But we've had a couple of uh, quite big things drop prior to that. There's always one show each year which causes an outcry. And I think this is this year's SWAT has been cancelled after six seasons. Hi, Dave here. Just wanted to break into this because, as you may or may not know, we record this show on a Monday. And when we recorded the show, SWAT was cancelled. Then very late Monday night, in a fairly unprecedented move, CBS uncancelled SWAT. So it's now being renewed for a seventh and final season. It's very rare that this ever happens. It does happen very occasionally, but it's very rare that they ever actually do that. They released a joint statement between CBS and Sony who make the show saying, we have listened to our viewers and the outpouring of passion for SWAT and have reached an agreement to renew it for a final season of 13 episodes to air in the 2023-2024 broadcast year. So there is a bit of discussion about SWAT being cancelled here, but in actual fact, it has actually now been renewed. Back to the show. The biggest problem is it's a co-production with Sony. And Sony is the lead studio on it and it's basically cancelled over money. That's all it is. It's, it's got nothing to do with the show. Shamar Moore, who is the lead on it, is not happy. I think it's fair to say. He posted an Instagram video. And I I mean, he's got some fair points, partly because of the fact that apparently up until last week and the week before that, the network were going, oh, it'll be fine. We'll sort it out. We'll sort it out. And then they were cancelled. So that's not great. And also their numbers have been solid. They actually gained numbers over the seasons. He also said, we did everything we were supposed to. We did everything right. And yet we still got cancelled because they can't sort out the money. It's all to do with like licensing and basically there is a pie of money that's split between Sony and CBS and whichever way they slice that they couldn't come to an agreement on cutting it in a way that would make the right amount of money for both of them that's essentially mm-hmm. what it boiled down to Shamal was saying the very least they thought they were going to get a seventh and final season even if it was a short final run so they could say goodbye but they've just been cancelled outright that certainly caused quite a lot of outrage when I posted it so uh, I know you've been watching that show as well yeah I haven't started season 6 yet it's on my list I was waiting for it to get most of the way through the season the sad thing is I don't think it's going to be like a manifest I don't think any other channel would touch it no. Like, yes, it's good ratings, but it's so procedural to the highest mm. degree yeah. 
that it's nothing that you think, oh, TV channel might rescue this. They are either on CBS or not, I think is the bottom mm-hmm. line. And that is, it is a sad way to go. And I, I cannot believe that Shamar, I know it's not his fault, but I'm surprised there isn't anyone who's able to step in and co-finance it with him or something or, or help raise the well, funds some other way. Yeah, the problem is that because it's a co-production between Sony and CBS, I mean, CBS were responsible for the big shot cancellation last season, which was Magnum. And that was a co-production between CBS and NBC. But the advantage that that had was NBC has its own network. So NBC basically said, well, okay, if you're not prepared to cut a deal with it, we'll take the show back and air it on our own network, which is what they Mm. did. And they ordered two 10 episode seasons. The problem is Sony does not have a channel in the US, so they can't do that. They rely on selling stuff to other networks. I mean, there is a possibility you could sell this onto another network, but the problem is it's an expensive show. It's got a large ensemble cast. It's six seasons in, which means the contracts for the various cast members are going to be quite expensive at that point. It's also shot in LA, and it sort of has to be because it's LA-based, and you've got a lot of stunt work and effects work that go into it because crashing cars and blowing things up is expensive and they do that most episodes. Mm. So it's not a cheap thing to make. I mean, it was a similar issue with 911, which we'll come on to in a minute, but that's also had similar things, but they had a better solution as well. It's a sad way to go out. And I mean, he's it did end his Instagram rant, basically saying, I hope that we can get something together. And they come back around the table when they see the outcry from fans and they can actually do something to at least let them finish it off in their own way. But mm. I mean, if it does, great. Some other cancellations as well. Call Me Cat, which was the Mayan Bialik show, which was based on Miranda, the British TV series. That has eked through three seasons, but it's only scraped through each time. And it's finally been cancelled after three seasons by Fox. BBC has cancelled a show called The Tuckers after three seasons. That was on BBC One. And the other big US cancellation was Yellowstone, which is ending after its fifth season because we got news earlier in the week that Kevin Costner had basically said he wasn't going to come back after season five. Paramount then came out a few days later and said, actually, we're going to end Yellowstone at season five. However, they have confirmed that there is a spin-off which is going to start. So the idea is that the final season will air in the autumn and then a few months afterwards, the spin-off will start. And the spin-off basically is a continuation of the main show. So we'll have a bunch of the same cast in it. It's just going to have a different mm. lead. That lead may or may not be Matthew McConaughey. He is in talks with them apparently about it, but he hasn't signed anything yet. So it may be him, it may be somebody else. But they are talking about basically continuing the main show under a slightly different name it will be Yellowstone colon something and there will be a show with a bunch of characters that you recognise it's just going to be slightly retooled moving forward. On to the renewals and 911 as I mentioned just then that actually was cancelled by Fox almost the same situation as SWAT it's not actually a co-production in that particular instance. It's just made by Disney and airs on Fox. So it's actually in a slightly worse position because there isn't any monetary gain from Fox's point of view in keeping it on air. It was the highest rated show on network TV in its time slot. So, I mean, it's a massive, massive series. And it was a surprise that Fox were prepared to let it go. But it just got to the point that, again, same problem, big ensemble cast, expensive to shoot because it shoots in L.A., 
And you've also got a lot of explosions and fire isn't cheap, <laughs> particularly when, I mean, we spoke to somebody involved on, I can't remember what it was, but I, I think it was 911. And I spoke to somebody involved in that and they said, yeah, the, almost all the fire that's on that sort of show has to be done by CG because it's LA and you're shooting in the summer. And that's when things set on fire on their own in LA. <laughs> you know, yes. so. Don't need to be a TV show doing so it. So the last thing you want when you're out somewhere, unless it's very, very, very controlled, they're very, picky about where they let you set fires quite understandably so uh, a lot of it is done with dust cannons and then they cgi fire in it after into it afterwards so there is a lot more cgi work on that than you would think so it is quite expensive to make that show so the main 911 was saved and disney is actually moving it to abc season seven will be on abc it will still be on disney plus it makes no difference to us over here It'll be on abc in the us though and 911 lone star also renewed for season five but that's a cheaper show to make because it's only five seasons in not seven seasons in the cast are all still under contract so it's just generally a cheaper show to make so they're keeping that for the moment on fox but that will come to a point where either both of them will go off air or that will get moved over onto abc i suspect at some point after a couple of seasons as well those are both renewed but on different networks in the us they will both still air on disney plus in the uk the diplomat as we were talking about earlier that has been renewed for a second season which given how that show ends which i won't spoil for you but uh, given how it ends i am very very happy that's renewed for a second season as i was talking about it last week i think it was but yes it really needs a second season not only because it's brilliant but also because of how it ends so that's back uh, sweet tooth which has just launched its second season on netflix that's been renewed for a third and final season, which I think is fair enough. So they're bringing that one back. The Morning Show has been renewed for a fourth season ahead of its third season debut, which is due to land later this year. That comes every couple of years on Apple TV. They're shooting that every two years. There are some cast negotiations for Jennifer Anderson and Reese Witherspoon in that, but they are also exec producers on it as well. So, I mean, you'd think they'll probably stick around, but technically they are only contracted up until season three. We'll see whether they hang around or whether there's something else going on. There is an issue that they have got other projects on the go as well. You know, it's whether they can fit everything in, but um, they have been renewed for a full season, so it is definitely coming back, regardless of whether they change the cast or not. And Bosch Legacy, which is the continuation of Bosch that has been renewed for a third season on Amazon Freebie. They've also confirmed two spin-offs for it as well. So there is an untitled J. Edgar project which follows Bosch's former partner, Jerry Edgar, who is tapped for an undercover FBI mission in Little Haiti in Miami. That will see Jamie Hector returning to the role which he played on the original Bosch series. So that's the same actor coming back. And I think he's actually going to be in the next season of Bosch Legacy as well. So if you like Jamie Hector, then there'll be lots more of him coming. There's also a Rini Ballard series as well. Rini Ballard is a character that's not actually appeared on Bosch at all yet, but she is in the novels. So uh, Detective Rini Ballard is tasked with running the LAPD's new cold case division. So there is a series that's going to be based around that as well. And that's all been done for Amazon Freebie, which, of course, is free. They also announced that there is a whole bunch of Prime Video projects that are being dumped onto Freebie as well for free. So a lot of the older stuff or stuff that's already run on Prime Video first is now going to get jumped onto Freebie. And that includes things like 
I don't think Rings of Power, but what was the other big magic-y thing that they did? Wheel, uh, of, Wheel of Time. time. Yes, yeah. Wheel of Time. Things like Wheel of Time. I think the original Bosch is going over onto there, which sort of makes sense as well. There was like a ton of shows which they said were prime originals and they're going to get dumped onto Freebie as well at some point. Yeah, Amazon Freebie, definitely worth going to check out. You don't need a paid Amazon account for it, or you just need to register an Amazon account, not a paid Amazon account, not a prime account, but everything on there is free, supported by ads. It's worth going to check that out. I don't know whether you've looked any through any of the freebie stuff. I haven't. I think I'm aware of some of the stuff on there. Uh, I think my partner watched uh, Two Broke Girls and it was on freebie. Right, yeah, yeah. And then we realized 30 Rock was on freebie because mm-hmm. I was trying to tell him that I think he would like that. So I, I've seen stuff. I'm tempted, even though I didn't watch it towards the end, I'm tempted for Neighbours when it comes out later this year, just because obviously they saved it and you just, I was an original Neighbours fan back in the day. So I wonder Mm -hmm. if I should give it a little support and uh, tune in when it comes back for a couple of seasons. Well, I don't know if they'll do it in seasons now or it'll just run, but they have the potential to run it like a seasonal show now, don't they? Yes, of course, Neighbours coming back later this year and they've also dumped a load of the older episodes up in sort of batches. They've dumped those up on there as well. So if your Neighbours and there's loads of neighbor stuff up on there as well you can go and find and as i say it is free because there's some people thinking that free v doesn't actually be free and it does <laughs> in pickups and other news only murders in the building season three has now got a premiere date so that's returning on the 8th of august on disney plus in the uk and hulu in the us that will be back i'm very much looking forward to that because that's a great show on the bbc they announced who do you think you are with the umpteenth season whatever they're up to 20 <laughs> something season they've announced the guests for that it's coming in June early June they've said they haven't given an exact date for it Andrew Lloyd Webber Emily Attack, Claire Foy Leslie Manville actor and Strictly star Kevin Clifton DJ Dev Griffin Chris Ramsey Chris and Xander Van Tulken who were doctors and presenters I have no idea <laughs> but uh, apparently they are and uh, Bear Grylls as well so uh, interesting lineup of guests this time around I think they could be quite good fun I, I do love that show I love the genealogy yeah. I was just thinking the other day genuinely thinking the other day oh I wonder when that's coming back and then almost like magic you put the article up and I was like oh, oh I must have been thinking it um, yeah. and oh my word Leslie Manville's a busy lady at the moment she yeah. is doing quite a lot um, and uh, you know good on her she's doing it all so well as well yes I think that's going to be an interesting bunch of people and Chris Ramsey's usually quite good fun sticking with the BBC but over on to Doctor Who they've added an interesting new cast member Jonathan Groff who you will know from from things like Glee and Hamilton, where he played King George, and Mindhunter, of course, the brilliant Netflix series, which really, really deserves more, but uh, I don't think he's going to get it, unfortunately. He is joining Doctor Who. We don't know in what capacity, we don't know in what role, it just said a major guest role. Don't know whether it's multiple episodes or anything, but he is in it. They've lined up some really intriguing people for the new season. You know what, their marketing team are very, very clever about the way they're releasing like the information mm. on people who are going to be in it, because it's picking up so many different fans from so many different worlds. Yeah. And it's not all at once, is it? It's it's quite a steady, oh, this week we're going to tell you this bit of information. And then if you look on Twitter, they've got their little coded hearts and boxes that that give you all the clues. But no, very good on their marketing team. Yes, they've been doing a sterling job. And I love the way that uh, Russell T. Davis announces it. It's like, we've got this person. Who's he going to play? We don't know. (laughs) Find out (laughs) at the end of the year. It's just brilliant. So yes, we've got that coming. That's great. Also on the BBC, there's been a lot of BBC news this week. Interestingly, they've announced the presenter 
Gigantus for the Gladiator revival, because you know they're making Gladiators. Yeah, yeah. That is coming back as a thing. It's shooting in Leicester, I think. Leicester Arena. The presenters are going to be Bradley and Barney Walsh, the father and son team, which, I mean, you kind of look at it and go, oh, okay. Um, I'm not entirely sure why you'd pick them over maybe sports presenters. Weirdly, it turns out they have a connection to the show. Donna Walsh, who is Barney's mum and Bradley's wife, was head choreographer for the original Gladiator cheerleaders on the original series. <laughs> and, of course. And Barney apparently took some of his first steps on the arena floor. So um, oh there's a really odd connection to the original show. So they're really excited about it, you know, because they used to look, both used to go along to watch and support his wife and all that sort of stuff. I think that's awesome because they're obviously huge fans of it. And Bradley Walsh, he's great fun. I don't know Barney at all, but Bradley is wonderful. So I can see him doing a great job with this. But Gladiators is coming back. They did announce two of the Gladiators as well. There's stuff up around that. And uh, you can go and get tickets for it. If you go and look on the website and search for Gladiators, there is a link on the article for where to go and get tickets for that. But it is shooting up in Leicester, so you need to get to Leicester for it. But yeah. And lastly... An ex-BBC show, which has sort of been kind of revived, again by Amazon Freebie, Mock the Week, they have picked up a US version of it. So it isn't going to be Dara and the same people, although, I mean, they may show up, but um, it, it's unlikely to be them because it's going to be shot in America. It's from Dan Patterson, who is the person that is behind the UK version of Mock the Week. He was the big producer. He did Whose Line Is It Anyway as well, was the other big thing. I mean, he's been behind a whole bunch of things, but Dan Patterson and uh, Trevor Noah as well is involved in producing it whether he's going to be the host of it we don't know but um he's certainly involved in producing it so those are the people behind it and i mean i can see this working with a bunch of decent u.s comedians i can see them having fun with it i mean it's a format and it works as a sort of weekly thing they don't really do that sort of you know they do chat shows but not really those sort of comedy satire panel shows so i don't know it's sort of interesting but it's going to be on freebie hopefully that means we get it over here as well because i mean i don't see why we wouldn't i know i think they they would notice there's a recognized audience over here for it so they they should they should release it over here i mean it would be silly of them not to because we know that unless they give it a really bizarre name and none of us will recognize it (laughs) well Um, yes you know which is quite likely as well with americans so yeah so we'll see but i mean trevor spent a lot of time in the uk so knows the show He, he may have even been on the uk version at once or twice but I'm glad that they've. there's at least a version of it out there, but it will be coming to Amazon Freebie. Usually the Freebie stuff airs both sides of the Atlantic, same with the Prime stuff. So, you know, I'm assuming it will be on Freebie in the UK as well. So moving on from that, there is another big thing which is happening in the US right now, which is the writer's strike. And you may have been aware or heard things about the writer's strike, but I thought it might be useful if we went through it in a bit more detail, like what it is, what they actually want and what it has been affecting so far. So the Writers' Strike is the Writers Guild of America, who went on strike last Tuesday after the various Writers Guilds and the Alliance of Motion Picture and uh, Television Producers failed to resolve labour contract negotiations very late on Monday light. I mean, they went right up until as late as they possibly got on Monday. It basically means that all the writers on everything on US TV have down tools or anybody that is member of the Guild, which is pretty much everybody. 
everybody. And on top of that, a lot of the people in the other related guilds have also down tools as well. It pretty much brought a lot of things to a standstill. I mean, there are a few things still shooting or trying to shoot, but there is a lot of disruption and nothing is being made right now. The writers have actually been on strike numerous times over the years, Mm -hmm. and it's usually when the tech changes. And that's sort of what's driving it this time. Because like in 1960, they went on strike when movies started airing on TV because they weren't seeing any of the money from their stuff being moved from a movie theatre to TV. So they went on strike so they could get a cut of that. They also went on strike in 1973 when cable TV became a thing because basically every time a new technology comes out, They take stuff, move it onto it and think, oh, well, we don't need to pay residuals to anybody, which is the money that they get when something gets repeated on something because it's not covered by the contract. And rather than doing the right thing and just saying, "Okay, we'll work out a deal beforehand, they just dump it on and the broadcasters don't bother paying anything unless they have their arm forced. So that's why they strike every time. Same in the 1980s over home video. The last big strike was 2007, which was over better residuals for DVD and to get any sort of compensation from streaming, which was an emerging market at the time. They worked out a deal with that, but because streaming is such a big thing now, that has now become part of a problem as well. So what they're after is basically higher compensation for writers across the board. Over the past 10 years, writers on the minimum guild writers pay, so not minimum wage, but the minimum amount that the guild allows productions to pay writers, was at 33% 10 years ago. That's now jumped to 49%. That means half the writers in Hollywood are on the minimum amount of money a production can get away with paying, which doesn't really seem right to me. So many of its members are not making an actual livable wage out of that. So even though they have a minimum, it's not high enough for them to actually be able to live. One example of this, and there have been many, was Alex O'Keefe, who was a staff writer on The Bear. You watched The Bear, didn't you? I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great show, multi-award winning series. When he attended a a Writers Guild Award event in March this year, he had a negative bank balance and had to buy his suit on credit. That's how broke he was. And you kind of think nobody on a Golden Globe nominated show and multi-award winning series should be in a position where they can't afford to buy a suit and have a negative bank balance. Nobody that's working in a full time in that sort of industry when there's so much money floating around should be struggling to that extent if they're working regularly. And most of them are. I mean, you know, there's ups and downs between projects. But the idea is that when they're working on projects, they're paid enough to make them be able to live in between. It's Mm. the same with actors. So that isn't right. They're seeking higher compensation generally across the board and a raise to that minimum amount. They're also seeking increases to their pension plan and health funds, which you'd expect in a negotiation. Better protection for overworked and understaffed writers rooms, which comes out of the fact that when shows are initially being made, they will set up these big writers rooms to sort of get all the ideas together, then fire half the staff and keep on a minimum bare bones staff to actually write the series. And the staff that are left behind are then getting worked to death. So there's various issues with that, uh, these sort of mini writer's rooms. So they're looking for better protection over that. One of the newer things which comes in is safeguards to stop studios using AI to complete scripts, which I don't think is there yet. 
but very, very much could be in the next couple of years. Because if you think how formulaic something like, well, as you were talking about with SWAT earlier, but I mean, any of those procedurals, how formulaic those things are, mm. it's quite conceivable you could get to a point where somebody writes an outline for it and you feed it into a computer and it generates a script for you. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to prep for the advance, which is probably the right thing to do, because if people are trying to cut costs and they don't want to pay their writers, AI is the next way to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in the education world and we've had to do a lot of training and awareness of it for how AI might be used for, by students to create work. Maybe not at my level secondary, but university lecturers and things like that have to probably be aware that this is going to be something that could be affecting them. So yeah, it's good that they're getting on in it now. Yeah, absolutely. And in some respects, this stops them having to strike again in another 10 years when AI really is a thing and they don't have compensation for it. So yes, I think that is certainly something that needs looking at. They also want changes to some of the exclusivity rules because writers are tied to exclusive contracts for a set period when they're writing shows, which makes sense because you don't want your writer, you're trying to get to write a hit show for you, going off and trying to write five other hit shows at the same time. So I get that. The problem is that if you're on a 22, 25 episode series, that's okay because the amount of money that you're making per episode is fairly reasonable. If you're making a show for a streaming service where it's eight or 10 episodes, that massively reduces the amount that you're making per episode. But you're still quite often tied into a contract, which is the same length. Mm. That needs sorting out and needs more flexibility in it. So that's one of the things they're looking at. The big thing is viewership-based residuals. Residuals, which is the money that is paid to somebody when a piece of media, so a TV show, a film, gets repackaged, resold, and re-aired. So it's like if a show went out on a CW and is then sold to Netflix, you will get money as the writer of that show when your episode goes out on Netflix. And it's the same if they sell it into syndication is the other thing as well, which is where a lot of people make bank because the studio basically packages up 100 episodes of a show and sells it to a local network because they have lots of local area TV stations in the US and they will sell it to a local network. So 100 episodes of a noble show like Arrow get sold onto them and they pay a bunch of money to it and the writers of those episodes get money every time that thing airs on TV. The problem is that they get money based on the amount of people that are watching it apart from streaming services. With streaming services, they get a flat fee. So you could have written an episode of something like Call Me Cat, which is a show which has just got cancelled and has been doing badly in the ratings. And if that was on a streaming service and you'd also written Stranger Things, you get exactly the same amount of money for both shows, even though one is a massive global hit and one was bad enough to be cancelled. So if you've made a failed one-season show or if you've made a massive global hit, if it's airing on a streaming service, it would pay exactly the same amount of money, which doesn't really seem right. (laughs) You know, the streaming services, of course, are fighting this because to get viewership-based residuals, it means that they have to be more open about how many people are actually watching their shows, which they don't like doing. They don't like giving viewing figures out. Now, I mean, there is a way around that, of course, by making sure that the writers are under some sort of non-disclosure about exactly what the viewing figures are. 
but they're not even kind of willing to enter negotiations about that. So that's what they're after. Things that have been affected so far, all the late night shows are off air. That's things like all the late night talk shows. So Jimmy Fallon, Colbert, all those sort of late night talk shows they have in the US. Saturday Night Live is off. Last Week Tonight is off. All those sort of things, which are weekly shows that are not live, but current event things. They all went on off air on Tuesday, Wednesday night. So they're all gone until the strike ends. Stranger Things, the final season of that, the production has been pushed due to the writer's strike. Duffer Brothers came out made a statement basically saying, look, you know, we write while we're shooting. We're not prepared to do it without that. We hope a fair deal is reached soon, but we're not going to continue shooting the show whilst this strike is on. There's a lot of stoppages in other productions. Things like Hacks Season 3 has stopped and Stable, which you mentioned earlier. Season 2 of that has stopped. There's an NBC show called Night Court that stopped. Power Book 3, Raising Cane in Season 3. Cobra Kai Season 6, Yellow Jacket Season 3, Abbott's Elementary, they've all stopped production as well. There has been a few issues either with people picketing around the production or with people walking off the production in solidarity. So Evil, fourth season of that, which was shooting, that has been shut down by picketing writers. So that's wrapped season four production early. So that's going to have fewer episodes in it. There's a new Apple series called Loot, which as poor production due to picketing billions also was disrupted for a second day in a row due to picketing as well. That's shooting in New York. It's final season. Daredevil Born Again and Severance Season 2, both of those have stopped production because the Teamsters refused to cross picket lines. Teamsters are basically anybody involved in a production that isn't either cast, writers or directors. So it's anybody from makeup people through to the guy that carries the coffee are classed as sort of Teamsters, basically. So every Everybody else that makes a production run have refused to cross the picket lines. Daredevil Born Again, Severance Season 2, both of those were stopped. Game of Thrones spin-off, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, A Hedge Knight, that's shut down the writer's room for the duration of the strike, according to George R.R. R. Martin. House of the Dragon is still shooting because it shoots in the UK, although there were no more script changes to it. However, as George R. R. Martin says, it's been through multiple iterations of scripts already and they've been up the chain and approved by HBO and all that sort of stuff. So the scripts are kind of fairly locked anyway. So it shouldn't really be an issue for the next season of House of the Dragon. So that should be okay. The irony of all this, of course, is the streaming services have been one of the biggest sticking points. The streaming services are actually the people best placed to weather all this because of the fact that they shoot a lot of their series early and months in advance. So they have a lot more shows in the can than the networks in the US do. And they also have the advantage that they're not stuck to seasons. Like the networks are going to be screwed when it comes to the autumn if they haven't got stuff for their full season and their big procedurals don't come back and you don't get new episodes of Grey's Anatomy or 911 or that sort of, you know. Mm. So whereas streaming service doesn't really have that issue because they can drop things at any time they like and they also have a lot of things already shot and in post-production anyway. So the networks are the people that are going to bear the brunt of it, most likely. And it's difficult to say how this is going to play out and how long it's going to take. The networks have been better prepped than they were than the 2007 one. But once they start to run out of shows, they're really going to see the squeeze. So who knows how long this is going to run on for. But the resolve of the writers is pretty strong. Resolve of the networks is strong as well. But there are issues financially for them the longer this goes on. So we'll see. I mean, I don't know whether you've got any thoughts on this. 
Well, I just remember how angry I was in the, the one in 2007, which one of the outcomes was that we lost Pushing Daisies, yeah. which was just an amazing program. Mm. And um, that was the biggest. Yes. You know, and it was all it was quite stubborn by the networks at the time. And they felt like they were getting their own back on the writers by cutting these programs. But all it was doing is affecting the viewers, affecting some cult classics and giving some really odd seasons to programs that were just running back then, which didn't do them too well. Mm-hmm. And, and that meant that you had some programs ending within like the next couple of years because of that really rocky season. But yeah. um, I really hope they get their act together and sort out a decent deal so they can get everything back to normal, you know, within the next few weeks, because it will only affect the viewers and will only affect the audiences in the long term. And that's not what the networks need to do if we consider what happened last time. Yeah. And I mean, there is already a bit of pushback from the networks. Like there are a lot of them that have these overall deals with writers or with showrunners. And in, in most cases, showrunners are writers. And there is a couple of the big networks like Disney and Warner Brothers that have tried to force showrunners to say, you are still contractually obliged to make these shows. And the showrunners have come back and saying, well, we're kind of writers. I mean, in a lot of cases, the showrunner is also the head writer. Mm. So they're like, no, we're standing with the union on this. And the other cases are a lot of showrunners have come from being writers, even if they are not directly writing themselves. They're really sort of sticking with the writers on it. So there's that going on. And also they have a number of people who are under overall deals networks and streaming services will sign overall deals with various people. The Paladinos, for example, who make Mrs. Maisel have an overall deal with Amazon. And J.J. Uh, Abrams had an overall deal with Warner Brothers. I think the Duffer Brothers may have an overall deal with Netflix as well. You know, So there's, there's things like that. But there are a number of people that have basically been told that they're using a clause that they have in that, which is sort of an act of God clause, to say, well, since you can't make shows, we're cancelling your deal. So they're using it as a way of getting out of some of those deals, which were quite expensive. There is some pushback from the networks of throwing their toys out of the pram on it as well. And I mean, in some cases, they're just using it as an excuse to get out of deals which didn't work, such as I suspect, you know, the J.J. Abrams deal was a terrible deal for WB. So Mm. we'll see. There's sort of supposed to be letters going out about that this week, but we'll see where that lands. So it's going to be a bit of a battle. But I'm kind of with the writers on this. that something needs to happen. We'll just have to see where it goes. Moving off the writer's strike, there were a couple of other bits of uh, new shows which were announced this week. One was called The Castaways, which is a Paramount Plus adaptation of a Lucy Clark novel, and it stars Sheridan Smith and Celine Buckins. The novel is called The Castaways as well, and that's what it's based on. It sees Sisters Laurie, who is played by Sheridan Smith, and Erin, played by Celine Buckins, on holiday of a lifetime in Fiji, after a huge fight, Erin never boards the island hopping flight to their tropical resort, and the plane with Laurie on board never arrives at its destination. Months later, when no wreckage has been found, no survivors are discovered. With search abandoned, Erin remains the lone desperate voice, refusing to give up hope. Suddenly, Laurie's credit card is used at a corner shop in a remote village in Fiji. On the CCTV camera, 
Erin recognises the plane's pilot back from the dead. She immediately sets out from the UK to find him and discovers the mystery of her sister's fate. The story jumps between the two sisters' perspectives. We follow Erin's present-day investigation and Laurie's struggle for survival following the crash on a tropical and remote desert island. As dark secrets are revealed both in the past and present day, each shocking twist and turn slowly reveals the truth about what happened to Laurie and her fellow passengers, a truth that someone on the island will kill to keep secret. That's the setup for it. Sheridan Smith, obviously, we know from many, many different things. I don't know Celine Buchan's particularly she was in show trial yeah i remember her from show trial she was quite good and i think that was probably one of her sort of like audition pieces to push herself to get a little bit more and for, to be co-lead i can understand it because in show trial she was pretty good yeah so sounds like it's based off a quite well-loved novel which is great yeah it looks kind of interesting i think those sorts of twisty turny things sheridan's brilliant celine sounds good so uh, yeah i think that's one to look out for but it's coming to paramount plus it's called the castaways that's the so uh, no date on when it's going to land, but there's that one. The other new show has been ordered by ITVX and sounds like it could be quite entertaining. It's called Goed. It's set in Liverpool. It's filmed entirely on location in Liverpool as well, in and around the city. It features an exciting cast of fresh young local talent, delves into the working class culture of surviving with a sense of humour, is how they describe it. The distinctive voice of Liverpool and the lived experience of the kids from the city will be the heart of this comedy, tackling big issues like grief, sex, diversity, class differences with a wicked sense of humour. From Reese the anti-hero at the heart of the show a superficially misbehaving potty mouth lad who consistently surprises whether that be quoting mother Teresa, his knowledge of the work of john steinberg or his incredibly mature take on grief to amy a ferociously determined go-getter and emotionally mature goed showcases a part of the country and a bunch of characters you rarely see on tv that's the setup for it is written by a guy called danny kenny it's from golden path productions who produced drop dead gorgeous and the worst week of my life danny kenny obviously is a livable native as you probably expect and uh, yeah I mean it's been ordered by ITVX there is a little clip that I put up on the website as well which was sort of them explaining what goed means which is a sort of Liverpool slang phrase I rather like the sound of this and I mean I know Liverpool very well I used to live up there so I really quite am looking forward to this I think it's a wonderful city and I'm glad that there's some focus on it um, I think I might yeah I, I'm trying to remember I'm on IMDB now trying to find out about the worst week of my life and i think i watched that and really enjoyed it if it's along the same style golden path productions i would probably would like to watch this i'm trying to think if it's like too much like two pints of lager and a packet of crisp type humor or is it more in the style of skins but with a little bit more humor on top it's more single camera i suspect two pints of lager was pure sitcom you know multi-cam sitcom whereas this looks like i think it's probably going to be single camera more in the style of skins that sort Mm. of setup but with humor i mean i don't know that for a fact but that seems to be what they're implying with the way it was shot for the little sort of thing that they put up because it was kind of shot on a phone the little bit that they put up i get the feeling it's not going to be a traditional sitcom it is going to be more a sort of not laugh track not audience that sort of stuff so i rather like the look of that i i think it's going to be quite fun yeah worst week of my life had ben miller in it it was sarah alexander and ben miller 
I, I, I watched them all. I really enjoyed them. It was, uh, yeah, two seasons or possibly three seasons of three that seasons. in the end. Yeah, 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 three seasons. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. But that's Gwed, spelt G, comma, W-E-D. And that is coming to ITVX at some point. We don't know an exact date for it yet, but you keep an eye out for that. That's all the news for this week. Just some time for some highlights on next week on TV. <laughs> Next week on TV, uh, it's another fairly short week of uh, new stuff. That's fine, because there's lots of things out there for you to watch anyway. Not Dead Yet is a new show coming to Disney+. Plus. That's on the 10th of May. Nell tries to restart her writing career. She left behind 10 years ago, but can only find a job writing obituaries. And she begins to encounter ghosts of the people whose obituaries she's writing to whom she can see and hear. Stars Gina Rodriguez, who you'll know from Jane the Virgin as the lead in that. But that sounds like it could be quite an interesting show. Not dead yet. That's called 10th of May on Disney+. Plus. Also on the 10th of May, The Muppets Return, or some of The Muppets anyway. It's uh, Muppets Mayhem, which follows the Electric Mayhem Band as they record their first ever album. I always have the opinion that everything's better with Muppets. So I'm perfectly happy for that to land. 10th of May from Muppets Mayhem. Challenge Annika returns for its last couple of episodes on Channel 5. That's at 7.30, which I think is a Sunday night on the 14th of May which seems like a better slot for it because I was going out in some midweek or something previously. So 14th of May at 7.30 for the rest of the return challenge, Annika. I rather enjoyed the episodes they put out. It's maybe a bit longer than it needs to be. It's like two hours. I, I think that needs chopping in half. And it got taken off because it wasn't getting the numbers they wanted. So uh, I doubt that will be coming back again. But, you know, I'm glad they made a stab at it. It was funny enough. That's challenge, Annika. Fear the Walking Dead returns for its eighth and final season this is on amc global for the six people that have amc global because it's only available on bt that's coming on the 5th of may at 9 p.m and waterloo road returns for its 12th season that's on bbc one that's on the 16th of may at 8 p.m that is back yeah muppets mayhem and not dead yet i think probably for me waterloo road is that one no unfortunately i remember watching it years ago but didn't go back into this new season but not dead yet is probably the one i'll be tuning into out of that I'm probably not going to take on too much this week. Still got all those things that I'm watching. So I'm going to stay with that, I think. Yes, absolutely. So uh, that's all the highlights for next week on TV. As I mentioned, traditionally, Bloodbath Day is Thursday, Friday this week. So keep an eye on the website towards the end of the week, particularly for things getting cancelled. People want to talk to you throughout the week. Where can they find you? They can come and follow me on Grey the Geek in Twitter. That's G-R-A-Y. I will shortly be going very quiet. Um, because it's exam season and that brings on a whole nother job for me. So if, <laughs> if Geek Town fans don't hear from me or see me for uh, the next six to seven weeks, it's because I'm very busy with that. But then I will suddenly rise like a phoenix in the summer <laughs> and get my life back. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Having the second job as a, as a <laughs> exam examiner thing, yes. Uh, so for other people involved in the show, you can, of course, go and find Bex on twitch.tv at forward slash Trista Bites. That's B-Y-T-E-S. She did a birthday cake stream over the weekend when produced another nightmare cake. Uh, I think it's the only way to describe it. I think it was Knuckles she did because she's done Sonic and she's done the other characters as well. So it was Knuckles, I think she did this time. Awfully brilliant, I think, is the way you describe it. But uh, if you want to see more silliness from Bex, twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. For Matt, you can go to entertainmenttalk.org for lots and lots more podcasts over there. And for Daryl, you can go to hollywoodnorthnews.net for all the TVC 
series you love, which are shot in Canada. For us, you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.